Welcome to Release the Shackles at Green Records. Today we had Sam the Fun Guy on. That's fun guy, one word, not two. Sam is an amateur mycologist. Mycology is the study of fungi. Um, absolutely incredible. Incredible information. We were here to really get rid of or try to get rid of the stigma behind mushrooms, like understand that not all mushrooms are hallucinogenic. There's a lot of medicinal properties to different mushrooms and there's a lot of health benefits to other mushrooms. And that's really what we were here to talk about. And Sam just hit the, he just knocked it out of the park. what do you think, Juan? I think Sam thinks he's a, he's a real mushroom. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode. Here we are, release the shackles, right? Um, we've got our boy Sam, the fun guy. Hello, and that's hello. one word, not two. <laughs> <laughs> that's one word, not two. F-U-N-G-I, let's go. Um, uh, first and foremost, Green Records, thanks again. Open up the doors for us. This place is so sick, dude. Like, thank you so much, Drew. Um, loving this place. If you're a recording artist, I can't say it enough. You need, you need work. You need to get some work in. This is the place to get that work in. So thank you again. Um, Sam, the fun guy. Dude, why are you here? Who are you, bro? <laughs> Who is this hippie? <laughs> I'm a long-haired mushroom man. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. If I, you could be any, anybody in the world or anything, what would you be? I would be a mushroom. Hands down. My man. I would argue that I am a mushroom right now. Yeah. Just in human form. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So check this out, man. Like I was telling you earlier, I told me and Juan we're talking about this. There is such an incredible stigma behind mushrooms, behind fungi, right? Um, uh, to the point where I said this earlier, when, when you even say the word mushroom in a group of people, you can almost feel the air get thick. Like yep. the tension starts building because people are so fearful of it. It's an energy that people put off. In my opinion, it all stems around psilocybin, right? Absolutely. Uh, what I was telling Juan earlier was, Let's get to this real quick. If in your in your expertise, like what percentage of the mushroom family as a whole, like what percentage does psilocybin? Where do they sit? I would say it's less than five percent. Yeah, I don't have confirmation on the, those numbers, but I know that less than one percent of mushrooms are deadly. Right. So the world of mushrooms and fungi is vast and very much underexplored. Mm -hmm. That's why. This community, this, these talks are extremely important because people need to have the courage and the confidence to be able to go outside in their own front yard and say, I want to know what this mushroom is, and then do all the proper steps to be able to identify it. And with that being said, we have about 100,000 species that we know about, but there's between 1.5 and 5 million species on this earth. Wow. So we have just barely scratched the surface of, mushroom, of the fungi world. Right, right. How impressive, right? Like, that's so crazy. So the other side of this is, oh, yeah, well, I, 
I eat mushrooms all the time. I buy them at HEB or, you know, wherever, the closest grocery. And um, the quality of the average mushroom on the grocery store shelf, what is it doing for me? When you buy processed mushrooms and industrialized mushrooms, you're really buying only a few species. So portobellos, bellas, all of those are one species of mushrooms. And they're usually grown on compost and for the most part have been treated with chemicals to preserve their beauty Mm -hmm. and to preserve their shelf life. And when you buy them, some people have sensitivities to those chemicals. They also have sensitivities to the different compounds within the mushrooms. So it's not necessarily the best thing as growing your own mushrooms Mm -hmm. because you can grow your own mushrooms off of your pizza boxes, off of Amazon boxes that you get, cardboard, things that you would be considered waste products can be turned into your own food. And on a scale of one to 10, how easy is that? I would say if one was the easiest and 10 was the hardest, it's a one Yeah, across the board. That's crazy. And the health benefits of growing a good quality mushroom are through the roof. Oh God, that's amazing. So what I'm showing right now is a picture of the the mushroom man as a cave painting. Um, It's the world's first mushroom painting. And with this man, there was a shaman way back in BC. And when he was exhumed for a ceremony after his he died, they found all these different mushrooms, these tiny mushrooms growing all over his body and in his clothes. And from that, they made a cave painting. And from this cave painting, all these different things have happened. Like Paul Stamets revamped this and called it the bee mushroomed man Mm. and he used this painting to get more awareness around using mushrooms and fungus to be able to produce compounds that help bees survive Mm -hmm. and help bees thrive in their environments and help against colony collapse yeah 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 dude and so uh they talked a little bit about some of that in that film fantastic fungi oh what a great film Dude, that was incredible. Film. We drove to Austin, dude. Went to the Austin Film, whatever it's called. Nice little theater. And uh, we got to see it there. Because it's only shown in like select theaters, right? Right. So, yeah, but I yeah, s- they, they mentioned a lot of that. That was cool. Yes. And yeah. if you haven't seen that film, highly recommend it. Yeah. Go see it. It's it's a great way to introduce fungus to, to yourself if you've never really delved into that world. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Right. The... The visuals they use are breathtaking. The what the scene I keep thinking about is when they showed the trees, the system of the tree roots, yeah. and they showed how the mycelium connects all yeah, of the roots yeah, of the trees. Yeah, yeah, dude, I was telling Drew about this earlier. <laughs> like, if you see like a computer animated version, maybe or or however they scan, like if you could see like the outreach of mycelium on planet Earth, it's like the Earth's little internet. Absolutely. It's so crazy looking, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And it exists underneath our buildings, underneath our feet. Om- at almost any time that you're standing on, on this planet, you're standing on mycelium. Yeah. Yes. That's so crazy. That's good. So crazy. And so let me let me back up. You mentioned Paul Stamets. Mm-hmm. Dude, I saw a TED Talk. This th- and, and if we're... Here's here's my goal today. My goal today is um, not just getting rid of this. Like you know, when you, when we say we want to get rid of a stigma, it's usually like, well, you know, that stigma for most of us is you know 
this is the psilocybin thing, right? It makes the rest of the mushrooms look bad. Um, for, and, and for illogical reasons, because even that has its place, right? We're starting to see all these like mental health studies and all this kind of stuff. PTSD, depression. Right, right, exactly. Veterans, yeah, go, yes, exactly. So, but let's even remove psilocybin from the equation. Let's push that to the side for a second. What is everybody so afraid of? Like, and you can scratch the surface with, like, I'm sure like a lot, there's a, quite a few people that understand like what shiitakes are, what reishis are and all this other stuff. But dude, there's so many other ones out there that have incredible health benefits, right? They're incredible medicinal fungus, fungi, right? And I, I, I guess the stigma is just coming, you know, leaching over from the, the psilocybin thing it's and, not no. It's they don't know. They don't people know. People don't know. That's it. That's what they're afraid of. It's a lack mm -hmm. of education. Fear the unknown. Absolutely. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And there's also a lot of things that happened in the the medieval times during the dark ages where there was a lot of fear around mushrooms. Mm -hmm. There were people that were uh, theoretically they were assassinated using different types of mushrooms. One of them being amanita varosa which mm -hmm. is a deadly form of mushrooms it's one that has a, a poison that will affect your liver and it'll cause complete liver failure and it's a pretty gruesome death mm -hmm. wow um, it's we've self-inflicted the fear of mushrooms within mm -hmm. ourselves yes that's crazy since yeah. the beginning of times well we we used to be a lot more receptive to mushrooms and a lot of different cultures like if you look at south america and central america and africa there's a lot of cultures that used mushrooms not only as ceremonial tools but as food as art as clothing but when the dark ages came in europe people started dying from eating mushrooms that they misidentified mm. cuz if you were a king if you had if you were royalty and you had the money to have a, a a botanical painter on your staff, you could go out and have them paint all your all the different mushrooms they found mm -hmm. and then bring them back to you and say, this is what they look like, this is what they smell like, this is what they should be. But if you're a commoner, you don't have access to that same knowledge. Right. Or worse yet, you have access to this knowledge and it's wrong. Because mm. there, de there are definitely species of Amanita that look very similar to each other and some of them are delicious choice edibles and some of them will kill you okay so definitely something that was a, a big thing and uh another was witches and where do witches usually come from the forest i was gonna say hell ah. <laughs> <laughs> but we we feared the forest because it was the unknown yeah. we we had this this stigma against the forest because it's dark and it's scary and that's where the witches are dude and you got all these other stories too right robin hood yeah sherwood forest it's like scary place don't go in there you know what i mean yeah yeah and so you, you, you if you don't think that that doesn't do something to your mind as a young kid when you see something like that or hear those kind of stories because it's the hero story mm -hmm. right like yeah like it's that condition. Well, why are we so scared of these things, right? These like little fairy tale, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and because of that, there was a lot of fear around what came from the forest, mm -hmm. and not just the people that went into the forest, but they were they were very stigmatized and attacked. Like if you went into the forest and like you ate a mushroom and you started acting differently, people are going to look at you in a scared way because they think that you're you're accessing something else. Like you're 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 
casting spells and mm. like you may be if you took a mushroom and you're walking around the forest like you may be thinking you're casting spells like there's a mushroom called amanita muscaria that was used in siberia for religious purposes and one of the things one of the effects of this mushroom after you consume it is it makes you have the uh the feeling of flying so mm. when it's a there's a really awesome picture of um a Siberian farmer holding their reindeer, their pet reindeer, and the reindeer is just jumping up and down. Like it, it, it they caught the picture in mid jump. So the reindeer thinks it's flying around, oh, just yeah. like we think we're flying around when we consume the same thing. So that's why the domestication of reindeer was so easy, is because they sought human urine. Mm -hmm. Because when we would eat the mushrooms, most of the elements that cause the hallucinations and the delirium would pass through our urine and they would still be active. So either we would drink the reindeer pee after they ate the mushrooms or they would drink our pee after oh, we wow, ate the mushrooms. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. And yeah. there was even a caste system to where the people who could afford to eat the mushrooms, they in, in the village or in the tribe would eat the mushrooms and then as they peed, the the people on the lower end of the cast would drink the the rich's urine oh, wow. to get the same effect. So wow. it doesn't matter if it, if it were rich or poor, they would still get the same effect. That's go crazy. So I think people are afraid that they're going to get a psilocybin mushroom. Right. Yeah. So that's why they don't. We don't eat them. Right. Because right. I didn't know. I didn't know nothing. I know shit about mushrooms. <laughs> if it wasn't for you guys. Dude, back up to this Paul Stamus thing, dude. I saw this cat on a TED Talk years ago. And I'm probably going to misquote some of this, like his mom's age. But his mom was, I think, right around 80 years old. When he was telling this story from previous, right? Um, she was about, let's just say she's 80 years old. She goes to the doctor. She's diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. I think it's well known in this community. Like when you have stage four, bro, you are on like death is on the doorstep, bro. You're yeah. not escaping that. Right. Absolutely. Um, she goes to the doctor. She's too old to re receive radiation. And I believe they said she was too old to even have a mastectomy, which I thought that was kind of odd, but maybe the surgery is more complex than I thought it was. I don't know. For, yeah. for an 80-year-old. Absolutely. And when you cut into a, a cancerous cell, you have the risk of spreading that cancer around mm -hmm. um, because it can get into your bloodstream. And then if your system is already beaten down by the, by the cancer, like if you're in stage four and you expose yourself to more of that of those cells, those free radical cells going around your system, you have a higher risk of getting another cancer in a different part of the body. Right. Okay. This dude is on stage talking about this and his mom is in the doctor's office and the doctor is like, you know, we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. But there's a guy, and I want to say she was at some place like Johnny Hopkins, like some prestigious hospital. But <laughs> there's a guy doing some <laughs> studies on some mushrooms and its effects on cancer cells. And she's, oh my God, I think that's my son. And the way Paul Stamens is talking is like, duh, mom, it's only my life's work. Yeah. <laughs> right? So apparently he gets together with her oncologist and... This is where I might mess up. I don't know what type of medication they put on the get put her on 
on the pharmaceutical side of things, but I know he put her in conjunction with that. I, I want to say it was like two different pharmaceuticals that she had to be on, but he was also, you know, and this is with the advice of the oncologist, they were all working together, uh, a pretty heavy dosage of turkey tail mushroom. And then all of a sudden, this guy's up on stage and he's telling this story. You can hear him getting choked up. Here comes the tears. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my mother. He pulls her up on stage. She's 86 now. Complete remission. Complete remission. Dude, why are we so afraid? Why? Why? That's what we're here for. We got to talk about that. Dude, you think this dude just saved big deal. his mother? Like, why are we so afraid? It's a lack of education. And that's why, dude, I am extremely honored to, like, just be in your presence. Yeah, it's such a blessing yeah. to meet you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank well, you. Dude, people like you, people like Andre Miller, you know, y'all aren't like the Paul Stamens, but, dude, there's got, y'all are the Paul Stamens. You know, maybe he's like, you know, because he's like, what, the leading mycologist on the yeah, planet? Yeah, he's or been something? doing this he's for been doing like 40 longer. years. Yeah. Yeah. But you type of guys, Following in those footsteps, dude, and then educating people like us, so we too can follow in those footsteps, and then educate the, you know, and this is this is how we fix things. Absolutely, right. It's incredible, such an unknown, incredible world. This, talk to me about mycelium. Mycelium, what is it for for the person that's listening to this and has zero idea what is mycelium? So to give you a basic idea of how mushrooms grow into mushrooms we have to start from the spore so mushrooms release spores to help themselves reproduce and spores are very similar to sperm in the way that they have half of the genetic material that's required to form another system of mushrooms and when two of these spores come together um, they're haploid cells so when they come together they form a complete cell and when they do that, they form a hyphae. And a hyphae is just like, if you imagine like the, when, a, when a seed sprouts and that first taproot goes down, that's exactly what a hyphae is, but on a much smaller scale. Mm -hmm. So when you have a system of hyphae, that's called mycelium. And when that mycelium grows and it consolidates, consolidates means eats the, the, different nutrients around it, consumes it, has, develops symbiotic relationships with different plants, different insects, animals in the area. It can spread further and further until it reaches a point where it has enough energy to be able to produce mushrooms, and mushrooms are what we see. So like how you were walking around your farm the other day and you saw all that, those patches of white little filaments, that's mycelium. That's the mushroom getting ready to form. So... Given the right temperatures, the right conditions, the right atmosphere, it can form mushrooms. And one way to go out and find mushrooms is going after uh, thunderstorms. Because thunderstorms have a lot of electricity that they put into the air, they ionize the atmosphere, and that is a trigger for mushrooms to say like, oh, I'm going to get rained on. I'm going to get the moisture I need to produce and spread more spores and spread further beyond where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about a cow, a cow patty? What what makes a cow patty when it rains um, make mushroom? Make a mushroom. Usually, it's the the mycelium is in the soil, or the wind blows some spores over the cow patty, and the cow patty is so rich in nitrogen 
and basically has been pasteurized, meaning it's been like exposed to high amounts of heat through a cow's stomach, that when it comes out, it's it's an ideal medium for growing uh, different types of mushrooms, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially mushrooms that crave high nitrogen substrate. Gotcha. Yeah, because we do know that cow manure is very high in nitrogen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So talk to me about how does a very strong mycelium network, how does that help my farm? How, what does that have to do with my veggies? What does that have to do with my food? Absolutely. So when our, our traditional agriculture is very much disturbing of the soil, you till it, you plant the seeds, you rip the roots up, you rip the plants up when you're done. And when you do that, you disturb that, that network of mycelium that is formed to support your plants. So when you remove that support from the plants, you, you degrade the quality of your food, the taste of your food, and the longevity of the soil. Because the, those network of mycelium, they grow down. They grow out. They form with the roots of plants. So let's say you plant okra or better yet, sunflower. Sunflowers and hemp have a really big tap root mm-hmm. that goes far, far down into the earth, farther than other plants do. And the mushrooms and the mycelium will form along this tap root and it'll grow down and out. Mm-hmm. So it'll harvest all the nutrients around the, that tap root and give it to the plant. The plant will then bring down its sugars and give them to the mushroom, uh, the mycelium network mm-hmm. to be able to have the mycelium grow even further out. Okay. And so if you look at grasslands, like the central America, like the center of North America, like the plains of Texas and things like that, you see that these native grasses grow 15 feet deep roots. Oh, wow. So you can imagine the type of mycelium networks that they would form around right. those roots and how vast that network would be and not only does that network give the plants nutrients and support them but it stores a heck of a lot of carbon Mm -hmm. like it just pulls carbon down and i don't know the exact percentage but there is a large percentage of carbon that comes just from the roots and the mycelium network of plants and not necessarily what we can see jason talk about um life and death what it means for you as a mushroom in, a, in comparison or um, to go in relativeness to the earth, carbon, and how that cycle um, speaks to us about life and death. Mm. The, whole, the whole carbon cycle, the soil, how is that, how is that cycle? Uh, I don't, well, number one, let's, I'm not like professional, but what I've learned over the course of my short amount of time on this planet uh, and I get a little, I tend to get a little philosophical with all of this stuff, right? Um, number one, and I hope this answers your question at some point, but I feel like, let's go. I want the philosophical answer. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> let's go. I think a lot of us, and maybe this too has something to do with the whole mushroom thing. A lot of us, uh, myself included, this whole, not just understanding, it's deeper than that. It's appreciating. It's... Um, I think appreciating is a pretty strong word. Uh, the life and death cycle of everything on the planet. Like a lot of us have this fear of death, but it's like, dude, like, I don't care how scared you are. It's coming. 
<laughs> it is know? on its way, bro. Like we're all on given time. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's coming. Um, and I think, uh, maybe that too, maybe on a deeper level is where some of the fear of the mushroom comes from, right? Because the mushroom is the beginning and it is the end, right? Would well, you agree with that? Why do you I say would that? Agree. Why do you say that? Because it is, it's, it's like he's saying, like the mycelium network gets, gets itself going. It's got to eat something. So there's something being broken down, right? For the mushroom to happen. So it's yep. got to be like a tree that's decomposing. It's something. So there's been death. The mushroom comes up, there's life, right? And then I was going to touch on this too, off of the last thing you were talking about, about mycelium. If I understand it correctly, and my numbers can be completely exaggerated here, but from what I understand, like the average tree, and I know they're all different, but the average tree can hold like a hundred times its weight in water or something like that. It's something incredible. It's incredible. Right. But, and I don't know how large of an area, but a, if I'm not mistaken, mycelium can hold like a thousand times its weight in water. Right. Yes. So, it, it, so going back to that whole de life and death thing, man, like this is just life. Like this is, this is, this is how ecosystems work. This is how they thrive. You die, you go back down into the earth and not just you, the birds, the, the trees, the, the bugs, the bees, like everything has a life cycle. It dies, it decomposes. There's things that help with that decomposition process that creates an incredibly rich environment. If all things are perfect, right? Mm -hmm. That creates an incredibly rich environment for the soil, which does what? creates new life or, 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 or helps create new life, right? Imagine right. planting, you've been to Andre Miller's place. Yes. Oh my goodness. What seed on this planet could you throw in that soil and it not grow? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and speaking of talking about mycelium networks, would you agree that he's a pretty strong one? Absolutely. He has a King Stropharia mushroom patch that covers about a quarter of his property, <laughs> which is insane because like, he, he understands. He understands this. And he, through the the active practice of dousing, triggers this, the fruiting of these mushrooms. Let's so go. he douses in a specific spot every day. Mm -hmm. And when, by doing that, dousing is the practice of co pouring very cold water over yourself, however fast you want. But to be very present and it's a spiritual practice and a discipline practice. Mm -hmm. So he does this every morning. The mushrooms know that he's going to do this every morning. Mm -hmm. They they got used to it. They know that it's coming. So when it does, he says that when he douses, he every couple weeks there is king strafaria mushrooms that pop up around his area that he douses. Wow. Cuz they're getting everything they need to sh to to be able to reproduce. Yeah. And king strafaria is one, is a very choice edible. So he eats them. Oh. He produces his own food through his spiritual practice. That's incredible, isn't it? Beautiful. So check this out. I'm talking to him a while back. This is maybe a couple months back. I'm, man, talking about that guy, we could go on for months. <laughs> like it's so incredible what he's doing. But basically just to give everybody a short synopsis, this guy is a really good friend of mine, dude. Really changed my way of thinking as far as life is concerned. Uh, moves to Oregon, which is like, to me is like the perfect terrarium, right? Like, Oregon, Washington, that whole area is just the old growth forest. Like everything grows up there. It's so perfect. Um, he goes up there. He's got two acres of land, him and his wife, Elizabeth, and their awesome little baby boy, Drayden. Baby D. Baby Shout D. out to baby D. Shout baby out. D. <laughs> we see you on social media, baby D. We see you, baby D. So he gets on this two acres of farm. He wastes no time because this man will never waste time. Time is a commodity, right? Every minute counts. 
here we are. Don't even get me guessing. I, I don't, I don't even know how long he's been gone, dude. It seems like just yesterday, but two, three years, maybe, um, he has created this incredible environment on this two acres. So what he tells me a couple of months ago, he's got so much food that's just growing. It's just on two acres of land, so much food. And there's people that come out there and he trains them like a personal, he's a personal trainer, like, like me. He trains these people and then kind of in return, they share labor with him. Right. So yeah. they'll come out there and they'll farm because there's no machines out there. It's all like hand farmed. Okay. He's to the point now where like there's not enough help to even harvest everything. So he's just like, dude, go to the farmer's market, sell this stuff. Just keep 50%. Like, I don't care. Just let's, let's move. Let's, let's feed the people. Let's feed the people. It's not even about money. Let's just feed the people. Right. He's feeding like every restaurant in his little town, the adjacent town and like two or three farmer's markets or something crazy like that. Like it's an, it's incredible. Yeah. But this is something very profound that he told me that I was like, damn dude, mycelium, mycelium, mycelium. Other farmers showing up to the farmer's market with less yield and visibly like you, some people might say this is subjective, but I, I feel like I can look at a vegetable and tell whether you put two vegetables on the table here and it's like, dude, the nutrient density of this one versus this one is incredibly different. Just, it has so much more life to it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bro. All these other farmers, they're watering. They're doing everything a good farmer should be doing. They're taking care of their thing, blah, blah, blah. But are they? Right. Because he doesn't water. He shows up with more food. He shows up with healthier food. Right. Like, Dude, that says a lot. And, and so if he's not watering, where is he getting that water from? The mycelium. Exactly. So, and then, okay, so now let's talk about how we can create this. And I'll tell you kind of like what I understand about Andre's place. And then you just kind of interject some ideas or something that maybe you've come across. This guy is like, I think he calls it like the triple crown. He has farmers in the area that Nate, they need to get rid of some things. So they, this started off as a thing where maybe he even, I, I, maybe he paid somebody to drop a load of cow manure off at his house. It became one of these things where, think about cow manure, compost, uh, wood chips, the whole nine, right? Mm -hmm. that, those are his like triple crown, okay? Now he's to the point where these people need to get rid of this stuff. So he's doing them a service by taking it from them. So now he doesn't pay for it. They just drop off loads of, like dump truck loads of material at the front gate of his property. And then he moves it by hand. And if you happen to be on his property, when he's moving soil, you, you bet you're going to be, moving you're going to be moving some soil too. And he's going to show you how to move in a fashion to where you could literally be out there hand farming for 12 hours and never get smoked because movement efficiency and right. these kind of things. Right. The triple crown, dude, Cow manure, compost, wood chips. What do you think about that? Beautiful. Beautiful. I think that way he is doing it is something that should definitely be replicated in other places. Because mm -hmm. especially in Texas, we are so dry mm. so much of the time. And if we create systems to where we don't have to bring up the groundwater, if we don't have to tap into aquifers and use the, that precious resource to grow food that maybe we shouldn't be growing in that area, 
we're going to be a lot better off. Our children are going to be a lot better off. Our grandchildren are going to be a lot better off. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to have water. And we're made of 70% water. We can't survive without water right. past three days. Mm -hmm. And like, you bet those three days aren't going to be fun if you haven't had water. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to, it, water is crucial to life. Right. And if we create systems that save that water, if we create systems that allow for the equal distribution and efficiency with water, like Andre's doing, wow. What, what a difference this world would be. What a difference in the nutritional aspect of our food. Oh, God. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go, dude. And so, so that brings me to this. And I know this you know, topic today is about mushrooms, but it all filters together. Right. Totally. Like I'm not trying to farm food without my mycelium present. I'm not trying to farm food w without, you know, like, like Andre's got the, the mushroom patch or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and, and you're saying it's like a, like the patch, but then even outside of that, like you walk down his pathways and it's nothing to look down and be like, dude, like just mushrooms everywhere. Yeah. You know, and his food is so fucking vibrant. <laughs> like it's so alive, dude. Right. I've talked to some people in the past, uh, we'll call them borderline debates and it's hard to debate with somebody and I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's hard to debate with people that have an opinion about something, but not an ex, not expertise in it. Like that's, that's tough. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm some kind of like Joel Salatin or even an Andre Miller, but there are things that I understand about growing food, right? I've done it myself long enough, right? Um, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned people who really have like expertise in this, in this field, like Andre, there's another man in Florida called, uh, his name is Rob Greenfield mm. and he has created his own food forest in Florida. He wild foraged and grew his own food for a whole year. Mm. He didn't purchase food from the store. He mm. didn't do anything to show that where you live has a natural abundance of food. Mm. You just need to go find it. Yes. Okay. And Florida being so vibrant, like Texas is also vibrant, but in different ways. Like we don't eat pe acorns anymore. We don't make pecans a, a main staple of our diet, mm. but the people who lived here before us, you bet that they ate roots, they ate berries, mm -hmm. they ate acorns, they ate pecans, they ate whatever grew around them. Right. And w the more we do that, the healthier our bodies are going to be, but also the healthier our planet is going to be because we're not shipping food from thousands of miles right, away right, just to have right. avocados all yeah. year. Well, okay, and then that brings me back to where I was going with this. Uh, I've been in these kind of borderline debates with people who refuse to accept the fact that this is sustainable. They think that big ag, the monocropping, they think like there's no way you can produce enough food for the world, blah, blah, blah. So here's my thing and the purpose of this whole podcast, right? This, is, this, this, this whole thing is about freedom. This whole thing, release the shackles, right? Yes. Like, dude, we, we sit around. I've heard so many people in my past talking shit about people that need a hand, like they call them handouts, Right. Maybe it's food stamps. Maybe it's uh, uh, wick or whatever. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, man, you know when you're pointing your fingers at somebody, there's three more pointing back at you, right? We all have dependency issues. 
Totally. You don't think you do? Stop going to the grocery store. Oh. Oh. Oh, where are you going to get your food now? I mean, guess what? Guess what? Guess what happens inside that grocery store? Like, I would say an overwhelming majority of the food that came off of a farm came from a farm that was subsidized by the government. So guess what? You depend on the government. Right? Totally. You know how it's more sustainable? Start making better time. Start taking better care of your time and plant one seed. One seed. Start there. Right? Stop depending on everybody else to take care of you. Know what you're consuming. You'll be a better human because of it. Right? Absolutely. Dude, like where are we at? It is 100% sustainable. I did a, we did a, like a real small gardening workshop in, in uh, San Antonio one time. And my first words out of my mouth were, it's, well, that was another thing, but I got to say this part. First thing out of my mouth was like, (laughs) this has nothing to do with what I was going to say. It's not that you don't have a green thumb because green thumbs don't exist. It's that you just don't give a shit. One of two things happens. Either you're really excited, you plant that seed, and your fucking ego is out of control, and you're trying to speed nature along, and you overwater this plant because you care too much, which really means you don't give a shit at all, right? Or you were really excited, you planted that seed, and then three days later, you forgot that it was there, and you you never watered it, right? But the what here's here's the thing about sustainability. I said something in during this whole talk where I said uh, something to the effect of to say that we have a food shortage in the world, you, you might as well be saying we have a soil shortage in the world. My friends, I can make soil in my backyard. Yes. Right? We just don't know how. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, is it's like, dude, like you do have dependency issues. And then here you come with all these excuses. Oh, we can't do that on a large scale. Really? White Oak Pastures, Georgia. Uh, Joel Salatin, I don't know exactly where he farms out of, but he's got these incredible grass farms and, and these systems, you know. And, and what, what's the grass about? Well, he's got incredibly fertile soil. soil. He's, he's got cows that come, acro- excuse me, come across this, this grass. He's got chickens that come across this grass. Uh, so he's producing like incredibly healthy animals, Okay. Yeah. Like you could literally go through there and plant a garden there. And I guarantee wherever he, wherever Joel Salatin has stepped, you can grow something. Right. Um, so it it is happening. I'm not going to say on big ag scale, but it's happening, dude. Absolutely. It is happening. If you go up 35 near Austin, like just South of Austin, there's something called the festival beach food forest. And there they do sustainable agriculture. They have, a, they've designed a food forest to where they can grow trees that produce different types of, of nuts and berries. And then they have bushes that produce different types of food. And then they have smaller plants that produce other types of food. Mm-hmm. And it's all on a small little plot of land. Mm-hmm. Wow. But there is so much food coming out of there that they are, they literally ask people like, come and work, come and yeah. volunteer, take home some food. Mm-hmm. Come yes. volunteer for food. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the systems we need to create. And yes. that's what y'all are doing. And that's what's so awesome about being in this community is that yeah. we're all trying to survive, but not only survive, but thrive. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go, boy. It's like, why not us? Yeah. 
Why not? Why not, man? Why not? You know the ripple effect. You throw the you throw the rock in the pond. It's it's gonna have to ripple out. And you provide something. You provide an avenue for other people. People want to be involved in shit, whatever that shit is. Like they want to be involved in it. Totally. Give them some truth. Give them something to get behind, dude. We're not just out here building cars, bro. We are built. We are building life. Life, man. I mean, and that's the answer. Like, well, what do you what do you guys grow on your on your little plot of land? Life. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Colin Mitchell told me something. Oh man, I'm gonna screw this up. He said something a while back about um man, it was really good too. It always is. He's coming on Monday. <laughs> no, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh it had something to do with let me paraphrase as best I can. Uh your success in life really isn't dictated by how many cars you have in your driveway or how much, how, how big your swimming pool is or how big that, you know, house is or whatever. Your success in life is really centered around uh, how much, how much life that you can, that you can bring in like to your area. So take this for example, man, this, this, this goes, man, this goes so deep. Um, uh, you start using pesticides because you got bit by a fire ant one day. To think that every other species of anything outside of a unwoke human um, is not affected by that is very foolish in my in my opinion. Right? I mean, think about this, dude. This one of my one of my friends. Her name's Ariana. Are you gonna kill the ants? Yeah. And what's that gonna do, dude? If I'm another insect, like to think that they're stupid is kind of stupid. <laughs> like if I think that another insect doesn't see what's going on. And let me give you an example. My friend Ariana was in my house one time. We were doing some training. Um, my front area of my house is full of blue mist. It's full of um, uh, milkweed. Uh, it's in, dude, when butterfly season comes around, Oof. it is fucking amazing dude i have so many monarch butterflies in my little bitty section of my yard and it all started because my neighbor miss carol man she's like my she's like a mom to me she's her and tommy they're good people carol took me over to her house one day and she starts showing me all these like stages of butterfly development she's showing me like caterpillars eating milkweed and then she's like oh yeah come over here and check this out and then boom it's hanging up on the under roof Right, the, the I forgot what it's called, the chrysalis. Yes, hanging right, and then you know, it, it, at any moment at her house, you could see the different stage of butterfly development, all the way to the point where you turn around and there's one flying in your face. <laughs> right, I wasted no time, dude. Me and my wife are like, dude, let's go, dude. We started planting all this stuff, and of course, it took a while. Right, it's got to it's got to get itself going. Dude, I asked Ariana one day, right down the road from my house, Fisher Park, beautiful park, beautiful park. So I'm, not, you know, let's disclaimer i'm not hating dude i like the place it's cool but they have a butterfly garden there and i've been skateboarding through that park longboarding down the hills on the on the back side of it and i've seen the the employees of the city um spraying the edges of the sidewalk with like weed killer type stuff okay now if that happens in one part of the park it certainly happens in most places in that park right now they probably do a good job of not putting that chemical inside that butterfly garden. I'm standing outside my driveway one day and I'm talking to Ariana and I'm like, dude, why in this little, like, it's not even like, it might be 10 square feet. Why in this little bitty section of my yard do I have like 50 times the butterflies that they have at Fisher Park? 
Why? The answer is, is that I don't kill shit. I let things live. Snake, rat, doesn't matter, dude. I don't care. Right? Uh, her answer to that was, well, bro, it's the vibe you put out. <laughs> She's like, they followed you with, when you were on your skateboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, you and Tiffany are like, y'all are just good people, man. Y'all are doing the right things. And, and you know, maybe she's right. Maybe she's not. I don't know. But all I do know is, is that I don't use pesticides. I don't use herbicides. I don't use any of that shit in my yard. I don't kill the ants. You know, I'll figure out ways to go, go around all that. Like there's, there's tricks and stuff, you know, like you can, like ants don't like garlic. You can dump some, you know, some garlic on, on an ant bed and they'll, they're not going to kill them, but they'll move. Yeah. You know, pour so some you, boiling water on there and you, you, the ants become fertilizer for whatever you plant there next. Right. But I'm not putting like some kind of chemical in my soil, man. Like I, eat i eat from that soil you know so um yeah so that's pretty incredible and i and i think i guess you know the point of this whole thing is uh we're doing more than just growing vegetables we're doing more than just creating soil we are creating ecosystems however big or small they may be we're creating ecosystems where everything can thrive unfortunately if you have too soft of a heart like you're through that process you're going to see some death you're going to, right? Like you got too much of something. Like New Braunfels has a crazy like overpopulation of white-tailed deer, dude. They are everywhere. They're eating up everybody's yards. Why? Because there's no natural predator here. There's no more mountain lions in this area. And we're not allowed to shoot these deer to eat them, right? It's all city limits, so you can't do that. And I understand there's a safety thing going on there. But dude, now what? We got this overpopulation of deer. And it's perfectly good food. But yet we're going to go to the grocery store and get some bullshit ass nasty, nasty feedlot. Dude, like, come on, you know? Yeah. So life, life. We're bringing life to the table. What do you think about this? I love it. <laughs> I love every bit about it. That's yeah. so awesome. And it's so crucial to not use chemicals because there's so many other mm -hmm. options. Like, especially when you study fungus as well. Like if you have an infestation of, let's say, locust, there is a species of mushroom called cordyceps and different types of cordyceps grow on different mediums. And like this, this bottle right here, this is cordyceps extract. So this is cordyceps militaris. And this was a strain that was found here in the United States. It's native to the North America mm -hmm. and it gives us so much energy and it's really good for your body. It's good for your systems. It's good for moving your blood and we can use that as a very medicinal internal medicine. But also, if you infect cordyceps or inoculate cordyceps in a certain area, you could potentially remove, it's called entomopathogenic fungus. So they attack different species of insects. Mm. And if you have locusts, that, an overabundance of locusts, why not find a fungus that eats that locust, mm. that consolidates that locust. Then you remove the infestation of a pest, mm. you create medicine and or food, and now you haven't used chemicals. So you didn't poison your land. You didn't poison yourself. You didn't poison mm. what you consume right. to create a, a, something you can consume. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So good, dude. So good. So... How, how do we how do we go about like is this is this where the education stops right here on this podcast like how do we educate people how do we how do we do better so well, 
I, I was going to say, like, you, you have something coming up. Yeah. In April. Let's talk about that. What's going on? Yeah. So I have a class that I'm doing, a Mycology 101 class. It's going to be in San Antonio. Uh, it's going to be at, on April 17th at 3 p.m. at the Cody Library, which is off of Vance Jackson. And if you're looking for more classes, we have other things coming up sooner than April. Like there's a meeting with the Central Texas Mycological Society. Uh, I'm the vice president of that organization. And we focus solely on educating people about fungus. Do they have a uh, website? Yeah, absolutely. It's the centraltxmycology.org. Cool. And yeah. definitely check it out. Our, our mission is to increase awareness of fungus, to change the stigmas surrounding fungus, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, there's a lot of focus whenever you say mushrooms, Mushroom. people give you that side eye of mm -hmm. like, ooh, mushrooms, or the, the judgment of like, oh, that drug? Yeah, and that, God forbid you got long hair when you say it. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're that guy. Yeah, and like... <laughs> The, the Our mission for CTMS is to strengthen the conservation, research, and study of mushrooms and other fungi in Central Texas. So we encourage you to go out and study fungus. Go out and find different species. Go out and learn, take a class on how to identify and do the spore prints, do the different uh, characteristics of fungus to be able to identify the different species, and then send it to us. It kind of goes back to that fear thing, right? Totally. Well, how do we fix that fear? Educate. You Educate. learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. We talk. We communicate. We have these podcasts. We, we open our minds to different possibilities. We release what we've been holding on to from the past, what we've been told, what we've been previously taught. And we say, no, I want to learn myself. I want to grow myself so that way I can grow other people. Let me think for myself. Dude, yes. You're talking about farming? Are you farming plants or people? Right. Or both. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> That's Damn. Good. Yeah. So uh, to that I say, man, if you have even an inkling, like even just a little bit of a question in the back of your head about any type of fungus, mycelium, mushrooms, like you hear this podcast, you're like, oh shit, dude. Like I've been thinking about that. If I could tell you that there's a mushroom out there that taste incredibly better than anything you're ever going to pick up off a grocery store shelf, I highly advise you to show up to this. It's a talk, right? At the library. Yeah, it's yeah. a talk at the library. And we have another meeting at EcoCentro, which is a nonprofit organization as well that is in San Antonio. And they focus on sustainable agriculture and bringing food to people who can't afford it in the stores bringing healthy food, non-poisonous food to people who wouldn't otherwise not have access to it. Mm, that's what we're going to do. Yes. Totally. Do you guys talk about the decriminalization of it? We focus mostly on the educational aspect of it. There are different organizations that do focus on the decriminalization of psilocybin uh, or of entheogenic substances. And one of them is called MAPS, or the Multi -Associ Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. And they are actually doing research into MDMA and psilocybin and LSD as a treatment for PTSD and uh, treatment resisti resistive depression and all these different ailments that affect our, our minds and not necessarily our bodies. So if you have questions about that, I would highly recommend you go to MAPS. Check them out. Uh, if you want to learn more about their organization, they will. They have studies that they, like, 
I'm waiting to be a participant in one of their studies because I, I want there to be a change in the culture and a change in this world and the way that we use medicine. And I want to be a part of that. Wow. Yeah, that's badass, dude. Yeah. And you know what's crazy, dude? Like wow. the, the, we, 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 we've got to figure out a way to get the fear pushed to the side because you and I both know, and you probably know this too, the number was at one time 22, but I think that number's like probably gone up. Uh, the amount of like veterans that commit suicide like every day. That's right, every day. Every day, dude. And if there's something out there that can prevent that, even a fucking little bit, dude, I'm with it. Let's go. Like I said before, we're here to bring life to the table, not death. And for somebody to just, because, because they're fearful or because their mom or dad told them when they were younger that no, you can't do that. Da, 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 da. Look, dude, like this isn't cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. This isn't methamphetamine. It's not dude. a weakness. Yeah. For you to ask for help, for you to um, find other ways to express yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what it is because we're people bottle, bottling it up. They don't know how to express themselves, starting to cause depression. You're starting to seclude yourself. And that's where we get back to how do we fix it? Mm -hmm. And talking about it is the first thing. Number one. Totally. Right. And then knowing that these studies are going on, I think Joe Rogan probably had some like talks about this kind of stuff, right? Because yeah. it's already they're already moving on this stuff in the Northwest, right? Absolutely. And Joe Rogan has he had Paul Stamets on one of his podcasts. Oh right. And if you want to listen to something like crazy, you listen to that. Listen to Paul Stamets. He the way that he talks is so revolutionary and visionary. It's a it's definitely a way to go. And what he's doing is not just providing this knowledge and not backing it up. But he's created businesses around this. He's created different opportunities where he can gain money from selling these mushrooms and then turn around and invest that money into bees or into people's health or people's mental health. And mm. it's so beautiful into right. soil structure and soil restoration. And he, like, there's some, a coin that he termed called um, myco-restoration or myco-remediation. Mm -hmm. And there's a project that... Uh, I think I read about that. Yeah, there's a project I'm involved with in Austin at the Ecology Action Center. Uh, and what we're doing there is we're taking mushrooms, mycelium. We're creating outdoor mushroom beds where we fruit these mushrooms after they come from the farm. Normally, they'd be discarded or used as waste. We take them. We fruit them five, six, seven, eight more times. We have a little greenhouse out there. And then we, we take what would now be discarded and we put it in above the landfill cap of the Montopolis neighborhood because uh, this landfill cap is degrading and there's a high amount of lead in this soil. But the thing about this is there's it's a tributary of the Colorado River. Mm. So this lead is leaching into the Colorado River. And we're like, no, no, right, that's right. the opposite direction of where we want to go. Mm. Let's use fungus. Let's use mycelium to create a network that maybe doesn't fix the problem, but it holds it in one spot. Yeah. Then let's use other other plants like sunflowers are amazing soil restoration. Uh, rest, they're amazing for soil restoration. Hemp is another one that's really great because their tap roots are so big. They can grow down into the soil. They can consolidate all of this toxin into their bodies. We can then remove the sunflowers, remove the hemp that's been grown there. And now we've we've restored the environment to a way, a place where we can grow food on there without risk of damaging our own health, mm. of damaging the, our own bodies by trying to grow food in an area that's prime for growing food. Dude, that, 
That is so, and that's another thing that I think people need to understand is, is how incredibly restorative mushrooms or fungi can be. Absolutely. So I think I told you the other day, uh, there's a little small plot of land in New York um, next to a body of water, I believe. Uh, they call this place the Smiling Hogshead Ranch or something like that. And it's long story. Go look it up. <laughs> but but point is, there's wherever this body of, and I think these are the guys that did it. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure there was. This body of water had high levels of pollutants in the water. Okay. Um, these guys took, I want to say it was like mud balls. And inoculated these mud balls with some sort of, uh, so it would sink, you know, inoculated these mud balls with some sort of fungi, spore, whatever, and just start launching these mud balls out into the water. And dude, like, I don't know how long later, but they're getting test results where the water's not as toxic as it was before. Because this, whatever this fungus is, I don't know what it is. It's, it's literally in there filtering and cleaning up all this sh shit. Yeah. Like, how incredible is that? Completely incredible. <laughs> like, what? There's, yeah. a, there's a being that can help reverse the damage that we have caused on this planet? That's wild. It's right here, dude. It's right here. It's so crazy. Dude, I, I can't stand it anymore. Can we describe your... I need to describe this shirt. <laughs> so this... <laughs> My boy Sam is sitting. <laughs> Sam the fun guy. Don't forget that. Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Sam the fun guy. Sam the G.I. G.I. baby. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing this shirt right now. And it is literally a mushroom with legs, arms, a face. And it says mushrooms are people too. <laughs> and it's, it's a morel mushroom with hairy legs and hairy arms with a face that's walking around looking happy as a clam <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing dude it's yeah. so amazing like dude let's rid this place of the stigma yeah right like there's there's a way to healing this place and and, and this is it for anybody listening also um you know when we met sam it was such a awesome opportunity for us because of our projects and where we're headed with this life thing. Um, if, if you have any, if you're listening out there, you have any questions or any, any, you want to try to help in any way that you can, or if you want information about mushrooms, uh, reach out to, to send the fun guys page or to Jason's page. And, and we'll help you with those resources. We want this information to push out. Even if you don't, um, if you don't, know the answer to a question and you want to know how we have those resources Absolutely. we just may not have gone over it in this podcast but we're your resource if you can hear us if you want to know more we don't know everything but we can at least direct you so that we can uh, be that mycelium that network Ooh, yeah for yeah. uh for this life thing yeah feeling that dude feeling that like it, that and that that is the truth like we're still learning so much ourselves but that's what's beautiful. I don't know why we've been blessed with such an incredible circle of people around us, but we have fucking resources that are just like to the moon, dude. Like, totally. like even if I don't know somebody directly, like I know someone who knows, like, like Andre's walked through the old growth forest with Paul Stamets. Wow. Okay. So we like know people who know people. So the resources are at your fingertips. Okay. You just got to reach out. And, and uh, again, Sam's Instagram is Sam the fun guy. F-U-N-G-I. Yep. Mine's Trident Strength 1. 
Uh, at J Loyola, is that what we're talking about? Instagram? Yeah. 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 At J Loyola zero zero. Yeah. Let's go, dude. So, yes. um, yeah, that's huge. Um, damn. Yeah. Good talk boys. Yeah. And if you're interested in taking any cultivation classes, having private classes, private walks, uh, public walks, if you have a, if you own a company and you want them to come Say out. Say something and, about those walks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, I did an ecology walk about two weeks ago on Saturday at Phil Harburger West, and it was the first time it had rained for weeks, weeks and weeks, and, and it rained hard. It was a thunderstorm the night previously. So out at this walk, we're we're enjoying this beautiful day. We're taking a forest bath, like we're we're getting the vibes, the energy of the of all the plants around us, of the trees. And then we start looking around and we're like, oh, there's fungus out here. Oh, there's reishi that grows in this mm. in this park. Like, tell, dude, tell the world how important the reishi is. So I'll give a personal example. I used reishi to help heal my stomach problems. Mm-hmm. I, I was having uh, an issue where any food that I ate, it would come back up. I, I just couldn't hold down food. I, in the morning, I'd wake up and the first thing I would do is go to the toilet and throw up. Jesus. And it was rough. It was rough. I went from 250 to 170 in six months. Wow. Bro, you weighed 250? Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Oh, my God, dude. It was wild. You really did turn into a mushroom. I you did. did. <laughs> dude, that's incredible. Yeah, but I I didn't want to... I'm allergic to a lot of medications. Like, I, I had this uh, infectious disease called MRSA, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but mm-hmm. it's a staph infection. It goes in your system, and it's hard to get out. And... I'm allergic to sulfa drugs. I'm allergic to the antibiotics that you that are used to treat this. Oh shit. So I'm like the doctor told me like, "All right, you have MRSA, you're not reacting to it. We're going to have to amputate your arm because I got it on my left arm." And I was like, "Whoa, okay." Oh no. So they gave me an antibiotic that I reacted to that I got an allergic reaction to, but it was it wasn't a severe allergic reaction. So they were like, "All right, the, if you get this again, like we don't know how to help you." Oh my god! And I, like to hear that from a medical community <laughs> mm-hmm. is just like, whoa, okay, like there, there's got to be something else. Mm-hmm. Like nature wouldn't just like put you on this earth just to fuck you up. Like right. it, nature wants to help you. Nature wants to support you. So I was like, all right, if if certain mushrooms can do this amazing thing with your mind and and they can give you these experiences inside of your own head, what can other fungus do for your body? Mm. So I looked into reishi and I started making tea. I bought a, a, a block of myceliated sawdust, myceliated supplemented sawdust from Fungi Perfecti, Paul Stamets' company. Okay. And it's Ganoderma lingzi and it's called the mushroom of immortality. Yes, I was waiting on that. Yes. <laughs> the mushroom of immortality. Wow. Has been used by Chinese culture for thousands of years to treat these ailments, to treat these problems. I read this. I, I was like, all right, no one around me is selling these, this mushroom. I, I, I better just grow it myself. <laughs> so I started growing it myself from Paul Stamets' kit, and I produced enough to help my own body. And then my mom started drinking the tea too. My mom is actually taking reishi right now 
for her own ailments. Mm. And she's using it for her balance. She's using it to keep her health up because mm. she's like being exposed to the flu virus all the time at her work. She works as a, a trilingual video interpreter. Mm. And so she she is working. Like she she's like her back is straight all the time. She's she's doing hand motions. She's exposed to all these different people in her in her work environment in a very close space. And she gets exposed to all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the reishi is an immunomodulator, so it helps balance your system out. So, like, if you're having uh, an overactive immune response to something, let's say you have psoriasis or some other ailments like lupus, it can help decrease your immune response to where your body is more balanced, Mm -hmm. to where you're not actively fighting against yourself. You're working with your body. Right, right. It's like you're bringing in the backup. Here's the reinforcements, right? Yes. And they're heavy reinforcements. Heavy. Heavy yeah. reinforcement. Yeah, it's like getting in a street fight and being like, you're homeboys with Mike Tyson and nobody knew that. And you're like, yo, Mike, help. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know you're going to win this. Yeah, and that being said, like, if you want to take these mushrooms, if you want to if you want to take this medicine, do your research. Mm-hmm. Know what medications you're taking and know how they might interact with, with different fungus. Like, mm-hmm. for example, reishi. If you're taking a high blood pressure medication, reishi balances your blood pressure out. So if you're taking a high blood pressure medication that's lowering it, the reishi might lower it even further. Oh, good call. So definitely do your research because there there are some interactions that can occur that may not be ideal for what you want, Mm -hmm. but you can still use it as medicine. Just know what you're taking. And and I think let's throw this in there. Like, don't be afraid of that research, dude. It's 2020, dude. Like yeah. you have everything at your fingertips. Pull your phone out of your pocket, connect to Wi-Fi, and don't get on social media, but instead Google da 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 da. Yeah. It's that easy. It's really that easy. Totally. And you can find incredible amounts of information from scholars, from, you know, people like Stamets, like people like you, people like, I mean, there's people that know this stuff. You yeah. Know? And, there's a there's organizations like government organizations that have been studying this. Mm-hmm. They've been studying these non-psychoactive fungi for decades and there's a lot of research on reishi and there's a the study by the I believe it's called the NCIS NCSI. I may be mixing that up, but it's a it's a gov, .gov site where you publish your scientific research pe- papers and you can find lion's mane research which is lion's mane is amazing for cognition there's a lot of research being done to see how it affects dementia and alzheimer's as you take it uh you can look up turkey tail which is an immuno booster it can also help with like like i took turkey tail a month ago when i got the flu i took cordyceps turkey tail reishi and maitake and I took them every single day. And that, the cordyceps, I took it like multiple times a day because mm. that stuff is powerful. It's an antiviral. It can help like boost your immune system totally mm. in combination with herbs. Where did you get that one from? This one is, uh, is it's called um, Cordyceps Extract by Mycomatrix. So Mycomatrix is a company based in South Carolina run by Trad Cotter. Now, Trad Cotter is a fantastic man. He is a, an amazing human being and he is doing research into microremediation and organic mushroom farming and he wrote a book on it. Mm. And I would say if you want to start growing your own mushrooms, start with that book. Okay. Like okay. Organic Mushroom Farming and Microremediation by Trad Cotter. Yeah. Cuz it is a it's a fantastic read. It it's very digestible. It's a very good book and then there is another fantastic human called uh, his name is Peter McCoy. 
and he wrote a book called Radical Mycology. Now, this truly is radical. Like wow. he has, it's 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 like the Myco Bible, mm-hmm. if you would. Like he put so much information into this book. I haven't even read all the way through it because yeah. it's just like you 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 know what you need, so you go to that section and you read through that section. Mm-hmm. But I encourage you to read the back of the book. He has projects for you to do to grow your myco knowledge oh, cool. like he's like go out find a mushroom like we went out the other day and in new Braunfels and we found that oyster those oyster mushrooms growing on that fallen tree yeah, right off yeah, the river yeah, yeah we went over there we swam up and we we harvested a, a few of those oyster Dude, I was, mushrooms <laughs> i was just about to bring that up i'm like let's talk about yesterday <laughs> yes and like what a fantastic experience what yeah. a beautiful bonding experience for us dude, as humans dude and then Food, food, bro. Let me paint the. Can I paint the picture of what took please, place yesterday? Please. Like I'm still fucked up from that, dude. <laughs> like that was so badass. So like, we're at Sport Hall. That's the gym I'm part owner of, and um, Alex Hernandez is in there, UFC fighter. He's got uh, a guy named Vince, and there's another UFC fighter. Like we're we're doing some training. You you two guys, Juan and, and Sam, were in there, and um, of course we have time time on the books, so it's like finish up training. We already had our eyes on that oyster mushroom from days before, so it was time to harvest. We drive up to the park. I left the gym, and I looked at those dudes, and because they were going to go get food, the, the fighters. And I'm like, man, I hope it pours down raining on us. And what happened as soon as we drove up? It's pouring down rain. We get out of our board. We get into our board shorts, walk down to the river. Maybe we shouldn't replicate this on the microphones, but we were screaming like <laughs> fucking monkeys. Dude. Like, it was just fun, dude. We were kids again, right? Totally. We get out there. It's pouring down rain. The river looks phenomenal. Beautiful. Dude, how perfect, right? Yeah. The mist coming up from oh, the water. God. It's all still right there. It's all full with the rain. It's all fresh water. So perfect. So perfect. And the color was it was so clear and like bluish. Like it was just un- incredible. Then we take our swim. I don't know how many meters you think that was, two, two or 300 meters. We swim down to this branch and the most beautiful oyster mushrooms, right? Right. Tell everybody what the oyster mushrooms about. So these oyster mushrooms, they, they grow naturally here in Texas. They grow along riparian areas, which is areas around bodies of water, especially rivers. Uh, and that's exactly what we found. We found some oysters. So my plan is to, I took them home. Mm-hmm. I like, I t- have a little video on here. I'm going to post on social media after this podcast. And it's just basically showing like, all right, like these are the oyster mushrooms. We're going to take a spore print from them. Uh, I'll show on my Instagram how to take a spore print, how to, how to replicate these mushrooms using different techniques like coffee ground uh, tech and then cardboard tech. Like we mentioned earlier about growing food off of just wet cardboard because mm-hmm. oyster mushrooms are one of the only, they, they eat wood. So they dissolve lignin. Um, the thing about lignin is that it's like, it's so pervasive. I mean, it's wood, <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. So if, if the wood has an opening, these mushrooms will grow in there and we can use them for food. We can use them for remediation, oyster mushrooms, because lignin, lignin's cellular composition is so simple, similar to polyaromatic hydrocarbons or the by, some of the byproducts of oil production mm-hmm. and pol- one of the main major pollutants in this world, 
especially along the same areas, riparian areas, they can remediate that land before we even get there. Or we can use them to help change the the toxicity of these elements. Like we can use them to break down polyaromatic hydrocarbons to not be so poisonous to us Mm -hmm. and to not affect us in such a devastating way. And these things are 100% edible. Totally. And And, and, and not only edible, but healthy. Yeah. And they're so like unique in the way that they look like. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. When you see oysters, like you can like from the bat, like we saw them and I was like, those are oysters. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I didn't need to take a spore print. I didn't need to go and like do a a huge study on them. I didn't need to go and send the the cells off to have them like the spectrography (laughs) where they do like the cellular breakdown and they tell you exactly what's made of it. Right. Because they're so visually screaming at you that they're edible right right but i'm still gonna do a spore print because that's what the safe thing is to do because i don't we don't want to eat anything that's gonna that's gonna mess our stomach up because just because one percent of mushrooms are poisonous deadly poisonous it doesn't mean that they won't mess your stomach up right right right. like you can eat mushrooms that that are edible and you can still get like some mad stomach issues did you say one percent one percent of mushrooms are deadly poisonous and 5% of plants are deadly poisonous. So it, it's it's actually better to go harvest mushrooms for food than it is for plants. Dude, just saying. statistically, yeah. I mean, statistically, that's crazy. That's, yeah. part of that, that's part of that fear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was, an, that was an incredible experience, man. I'm really glad that I was able to do that with you guys. Like, that, was, that was fun. And then, and then we swim down. We do all of our hoodlum shit which is everything but hoodlum right yeah. we're just respecting that water man totally. like so much respect there and then we walk back and what happens the clouds part in this because it's a little chilly out mm-hmm. right especially when we're wet it's raining the clouds part and the sun is just beaming on us i i literally felt like mother nature or the sun or whatever the universe the universe was like okay, boys, you've paid your dues. Now here's your gift. And then there's that warm sun. I was like, dude, this could not get any fucking better. Mm. And then we walk up to the car and there's a rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Right there. Just like yeah. looking at us. And it's just like, we're looking at it, just experiencing this moment of beauty and connection with nature and with like the sun and with the water and with these elements that what we're made from because right. like we're made from the the byproducts of dead suns like right. we are made from that yeah. like we're made from water we're made from these elements like yeah. so heavy dude. so awesome you can just feel the energy yeah all around time. us big time dude it's so incredible so incredible man so but our days kind of played out that way too yeah like my, i still had a really awesome evening and yeah. uh, we we gave some and then we left some yeah. yes yeah, yeah. Give a little, take a little, mm-hmm. right? I tell you what, when I woke up this morning, I didn't need coffee. I didn't need anything. I <laughs> yeah. just, I woke up and I was charged. Yes. I was yes. awake. I yes. was sparking from the moment I stepped foot off of my bed. I was just present, alive, awake, aware, mm. and so grateful. Grateful, bro. So grateful. God, grateful. So good. That mental health. Yeah, release them shackles. Yeah, release the yeah, shackles. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Re- <laughs> what a way to close it out, too, boys. We got to get moving. Got to get to the gym. 
But dude, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today, man. Like, I can't thank you enough, dude. Like, this, just meeting you has been just incredible, dude. We just met this guy, like, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, this has been incredible, dude. It's like, it's, yeah. He's like, uh, Andre Miller sent me. <laughs> oh, oh, is that the case? Get over here. Yeah. We were all like, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Young Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's been incredible, dude, and I'm just super stoked for what the future is going to bring as far as this little thing is going on, man. Like, absolutely, you being here and man, yeah. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, one more time, man. Thanks again to Green Records, dude. I cannot thank Drew enough, dude. This has been such a badass it, experience. Yeah, man. I love this guy. Shout thanks out for to helping Drew. us. Uh, thanks for helping us pass this information on because it needs to. It needs to leave this room. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>